Hello, this is Angelica Yingst, and you're listening to Centered, grounded conversations about the metaphysical. Hello, it's Angelica Yingst, and I wanted to share this essay I wrote a few years ago um, because in my membership group, we are doing our guided shamanic journey this month with deer. Um, And just to mention a little bit about my membership groups, if you are connecting with my monthly readings, you may want to go a little further. I do a reading on the full moon, on the new moon, and I do a guided shamanic journey. Um, And I have different levels of membership. So if you join at uh, the introductory level, like the it's $20 a month, you can choose one of the three things that I offer every month. If you want two of the three things, like maybe you just want a full moon reading and a new moon reading, um, you could do that. And they're general collective readings, but they tend to be pretty personal, like people relate to them personally. Um, you could do all three. That's another level, which is the full moon, the new moon, and the journey. And then the upper level, you get all three of those and you get a personal reading every month, either at the full moon, the new moon, or the beginning of the month. So those are always offered on my website at angieinks.com. But we talk about the really gentle nature of deer medicine. Um, It is a medicine of intuition and Uh, psychic abilities, Um, you know, deer are highly, highly attuned to their surroundings. So they're, um, they tend to come forward and show themselves to people who are opening up their own psychic gifts, their clairaudience or clairvoyance. Um, And they're, you know, they're basically their only defense is to run really fast in the other direction. So um, I wrote this piece because on the way to one of my mentoring circles a couple years ago, one of my students hit a deer and uh, she came in completely devastated. Um, The deer most certainly will die or had already died. And living in Pennsylvania, this is a quite frequent thing that we experience. We're the second most um, deer accidents on the road or something like that state. Um, So it has happened to most of us. It certainly has happened to me. So Um, I wanted to share this because this is the other side of um, medicine that we don't always talk about. Um, So here you go. On the way to one of my mentoring circles, uh, one of my students hit a deer. She was distraught. She asked me, what does this mean? As a circle keeper and an earth medicine walker, I found myself stumbling over my words. What does this mean? Why do we kill animals when we walk an earth medicine path? Others chimed in with their thoughts. Maybe the deer knew that you could hold space for its transition. Maybe it was just destined to die and it was better if it died with you than with somebody who didn't understand nature wasn't connected shamanically. A few years ago, after a late night class, I was driving home. Now I live way out in the countries. So, you know, 
I always worry about hitting deer. So I drive very slowly and cautiously through the fields and I frequently stop for all kinds of wildlife. In fact, I do this thing where I always say it's it's the rule of the iguana. You must move a turtle when it's in the middle of the road. <laughs> so I'm used to being highly attuned to my environment, but I was still in the city and heading home and bam, a deer ran into my car. It hit the front quarter panel um, of my truck. And so I pulled over and the deer was laying on the side of the road and it just looked like it was laying down, like it was sitting upright. Um, it was panting, so it was clearly injured. And so I called the police and I sent the deer Reiki and I envisioned the Reiki energy repairing the deer's leg and its head and strengthening it. And I did this Reiki for almost 15 minutes. And then the deer stood up steady and whole and it looked at me and then it ran right into the street to get demolished and killed by a massive truck. And the truck tore the deer apart and I shook and I cried as well. And I wondered, what does this mean? Is this still medicine for me? If we see our medicine dead on the side of the road, how do we interpret it? And as I meditated on the death of this deer, I could see the interplay between the deer's medicine and the encroachment of humanity on the deer's environment. So the medicine of the deer resides in this deep vulnerability. When deer interact with humanness and urban environments, we begin to see just how vulnerable these magnificent creatures are. When you're face to face with a buck, it looks huge. It looks scary. It has these huge antlers. But when we see them interact with the city and with cars and with the highway, we see how humans have disrupted the balance of the predator and the prey. Our ancestors decimated the predators, the wolves, the mountain lion population, the bears, who would have hunted the sick and the weak, keeping populations down. Massive deforestation also affects deer population. So white-tailed deer really flourish at the edge of environments, right where the forest meets the suburbs and streets and cars encroach on those delicate ecosystems. And hunting is just down in the country with the ease of shopping for meat in a supermarket. So deer medicine is not only a medicine about the individual deer's vulnerability to predators, but also the species vulnerability in, in our environment. So deer, particularly those with antlers, have a really strong connection to spirit. And the antlers are said to reach high to connect with the guides and the angels like antenna for their messages. And deer also connects with this subtle energy system and has a really heightened, acutely aware sense of hearing and smell and vision. They're always sensing that disruption in the force. And I couldn't help thinking as the student told me all about the deer and her accident, that this was part of the critical message for her, that knowing that she's going through this really beautiful spiritual opening, deer medicine can sometimes come in this way to remind us of our vulnerability during our spiritual opening or when we interact with the world at large. We sometimes experience all this light and love 
and that new age bullshit um, in a bubble. We, we surround ourselves with people, we go to a lot of classes, and it's really easy to forget how vulnerable we are when we go out into the world. We think everybody's in the same uh, spiritual journey that we're on. Um, but when we take all this gentle light and vulnerability into the real world, we really encounter the true sickness of our society. There's toxicity and negativity. And as we get more sensitive, the harshness of those things becomes really devastating. And we get to decide whether we turn away or we learn to accommodate and, and work with our vulnerability and our anxiety within the sickness of our society. Are we changing it or are we just divorcing and, and running away and, and keeping ourselves separate? I think that's really a personal decision as someone who's really dedicated to social justice, you know, looking at the sickness of the, in, in, of our society and, and the issues are really important for us. So it is important for us to move into the vulnerability and helplessness we feel when we see a dead deer on the side of the road or we see injustice happening in the world, but that's just me and how I interact with this. When I started opening, you know, I was always just blissed out and was really only able to tolerate other light workers. And I, I did shield myself from the news and from the first encounters of, you know, toxicity or people mocking what I do for a living. In some ways, you know, uh, we experience the world just like that deer did. We get hit out of nowhere by real life. The modern world can be really cruel to the vulnerable and to the highly sensitive, to the neurodivergent, which I am, <laughs> and my whole family is. So deer medicine really embodies vulnerability, quiet and gentleness. So nothing is more profoundly indicative of the imbalance than when nature interacts with urban life where we can see how pollution hurts wildlife or cars kill deer. This grounded counter energy to very high vibrational work is part of what we need to do as healers and psychics and storytellers. We carry this light message of vulnerability, but we also carry the message of our wounding. So when you open in profound ways, you're of course, more susceptible to the deep wells of, of grief and compassion, but it goes a lot deeper. There is nothing natural about carrying vulnerability in a world that does not um, see the benefits of vulnerability. In some ways, you know, people will say, you know, it's hard to be an empath in a narcissistic world. And in the same token, it's really easy for empaths to get stuck in this idea that the world must change around them, that they're not part of nature, that they're separate from the toxicity of our world. And in fact, that is toxic in and of itself. So we also have to experience and learn about the shadow medicine of our animals. And shamanic work isn't easy. It isn't light and fun. A lot of people think it is because they're like, oh, I saw a squirrel. That must be my spirit animal. That is, um, insulting to native peoples to say things like that. 
when you're engaged in doing work and engaged with that work being connected to nature as you know the myth of separation dissolves you also challenge yourself to go beyond the surface to experience more profound messages to become stewards of the earth spokespeople for the mother so when all of this starts and we want to live in that amazing other world of spirit and divorce ourselves and say that we're beyond you know cultural appropriation that we transcend that that spirit transcends that we are really engaging in the same toxicity and shadow that, that, that our society at large has. So when we practice earth medicine, we become intrinsically tied to mother earth, to grandmother moon, to father sky, to the cycles of life and death, happiness and grief, toxicity and health, masculinity and femininity. The delicate balance between all of those things becomes like a sacred site for us. So we can see it without trying impermanence and the suffering of life and of the human condition is part of all medicine and spiritual experience death is part of every animal's medicine because every animal dies so as we begin our opening we may only want to be looking at the light and the births and the you know wonderful medicine but impermanence and the suffering of life is the harsh reality of the medicine of shamanic work so if this happens to you or you're driving and you notice an animal sacred to you dead on the side of the road my suggestion is to begin to ask what is the medicine for you both in the animal's living experience how does it live love eat hunt raise its young etc but also how does that medicine interact with the brutality of the world you need only look at our apex predators to see that this isn't just something that affects prey. In Pennsylvania, we have a long, shameful history of killing birds of prey, right? Like the hawk, the bald eagle, along the Kittatinny Ridge as they migrated. And you can find pictures of hunters with like, you know, 20 dead hawks around them because they felt or vultures or eagle because they were afraid that they were going to eat their um, livestock so you know we can show reverence for the medicine um, by sending up prayers honoring their way in the world um, by honoring the deer and helping to make its spirit you know transcend um, so uh, you can leave a piece of hair, you can sing a song, um, you can connect with the medicine of, of that. Um, there are some native practices that create prayer sticks um, and they leave them where something sacred was killed. Um, and there's a whole practice with that, which would, you know, I, I don't think is appropriate for me to be sharing but um i think you can still honor the connection and honor the dead and give it a good death so if you are able you know you can even take some hair an item from the animal that was killed remembering that like if that piece of hair or feather or whatever stinks it will always stink and if there's bugs your house will have bugs 
Um, so really only newly killed animals can be harvested, but that's really another thing altogether. And you should probably talk to someone who <laughs> is very good at harvesting animals. Um, there's a wonderful, a uh, couple wonderful guides who are hunters as well, who do shamanic work. Um, but you can use, you can create a ceremony and as medicine keepers and healers, you can honor the medicine allies by giving them a good death. And you can use the medicine harvested for your altar or in a medicine bundle to hold the memory of vulnerability and the shadow work of your medicine together. So one thing I do know is that none of us aim to kill the deer or the squirrel or the bird that we've hit on the road. So, you know, guilt is this illusion of control. Like if I did something different, it would have changed the outcome. And the truth is that you didn't you know, aim for anything. So just sit with your profound grief um, because that's enough suffering and create an, a ritual of honoring the medicine um, and sit with the discomfort of your humanness and the ways in which uh, we need to mitigate our impact on the environment around us. Just allow the tears to flow. I mean, we don't cry a lot for our environment, um, but we should. We should, we've done a huge amount of damage to our environment. So living in harmony, you know, means that we also have to feel the deep responsibility of being good stewards of the earth. So remember all of this is part of our human experience and being intimately connected with nature is part of our human experience too. Even if you live in a home, you are intimately part of the nature around you. It kind of reminds me of falling water the um, Frank Lloyd Wright house. And, um, you know, I talked to an architect the one time I used to do landscape architecture and um, this, or not landscape, sorry, land use planning. I used to write marketing material for land use planning and for highway engineering and things like that. But um, I was talking to a land use planner and he was talking about how controversial uh, falling water is among some groups of architects because it the, the creek runs through the house and the kept environment the environment of the house changes the river changes the stream that runs through it and so you know to pretend like oh now we're part of nature yeah we're part of nature but we're not doing a great job of keeping it okay when we're part of nature all the time. So we're not ignoring death and suffering and the violence inherent in the animal medicine that we have or in the plant medicine that we have um, or the stone medicine. I mean, we have a lot to contend with when we talk about mining. Um, but uh, to ignore the full power of the medicine is to ignore the medicine altogether. So May you walk gently on the earth, friends, and um, enjoy your medicine. Thanks for listening to Centered with me, Angie Yinkst. If you'd like to send me a question or comment about this show or any shows, you can send them to angie at themoonandstone.com. <laughs>